Oh, yeah. It feels like a long time since we've done this. <laughs> I know. That'll <laughs> be raw. <laughs> hey, friends. It's Nicole and Kate, your girls from across the globe, Sydney, Australia, and Puerto Rico to be exact. And we're so excited to be sharing this time with you. Get ready for a candid convo with us, Nicole and Kate. Throughout this podcast, we'll be sharing our own experiences and thoughts in the hopes that you realize that one, you're not alone, and two, that open and honest conversations can lead to awesome discoveries, shifts in perspectives, and energy to move ahead with confidence. Because that's what real friends do. They provide love, support, and space for one another to share without judgment, speak without hesitation, and to learn from each other, even when we don't agree. And with that, let's dive in. I'm always giggling. It's so silly. I'm always doing my di- my dive-in moves every time. <laughs> Nicole does have like this dive-in move that's kind of like both of her arms go out as if she's like jumping into the water. I love it. <laughs> it's not a proper dive. It's a sideways dive, which is really, I actually did learn to dive quite well when I was a kid. You know, in Australia, you grow up and you learn to swim at a very young age. And that is not and the right way to dive into a pool. <laughs> that is one thing that I never learned how to do. I never learned how to dive. I mean, I think oh. that I can now, but I was never actually taught that. But growing up in San Diego, like you would have been thrown into the water really early, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was definitely doing all my belly flops and stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> I was in the water a lot, just not via a dive. <laughs> Did you have like swim lessons when you were a kid? Um, probably at some point. I don't really remember. I just remember always being in the water. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember having lessons. I was actually really good at swimming when I was really, Mm. when I was young in primary school. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we just, let's, let's dive in. (laughs) Let's dive in. (laughs) Let's do dive in. (laughs) Literally and figuratively. (laughs) Um, So, wow. Okay. Today, we're going to be talking about resigning, career changes. A term that's kind of been thrown around a lot lately is the great resignation, Mm -hmm. um, which sounds very official. Um, I've been hearing a ton about this. I mean, I don't know about you. I think in articles, in podcasts that I've been listening to, I don't really watch the news, but I'm sure the news is talking about it too. Yeah. yeah. What's Nicole, what's kind of your point of view on the great resignation? Well, I'm like you. I don't actually watch the news and I don't I get my news from my news buddy. That's Omar. I have an official news, <laughs> <laughs> news buddy. Does he watch the news or does he just listen to like news podcasts? He watches clips, he listens he reads the news like paper, yeah, news articles online. Um but the the reason I called him a news buddy is it's one of those things that came up during like the pandemic where people would be get getting quite, you know, tired or a little bit overwhelmed with getting too much news. And so instead of reading it yourself, you'd just have a news buddy and they would give you the highlights. They would give you the download. <laughs> and Omar seems to be like, he was a bit more into it. So I was like, just, just give me, yeah, give me the highlights. I don't, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't want to get I- it myself. <laughs> A podcast that I absolutely love that is so short and sweet, and it's five days a week, Monday through Friday, is called The Newsworthy by Erica Mandy. Mm-hmm. Have you tuned into that? No. Um, she covers everything, and she's so good. She used to be a, a news reporter, so mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's a really great podcast for anyone mm-hmm. who doesn't want to be like inundated with news, but wants to stay in the know. Yeah. Very good. Oh, yeah. Well, this is, yeah, sideways. So yeah, the, yeah. The, the great resignation was something that I heard um, Omar shared something. I think he shared a tweet from The Daily Show. It was the first time I heard about it. And then that same day, I was on another mastermind call with a group of women here. And I heard it come up again. I was like, this is the second time in one day that I'm hearing someone say the great resignation or here in Australia, they're also referring to it as the big quit. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, like Australians like to shorten things, you know, sunglasses become sunnies, breakfast, brekkie. So (laughs) the great resignation, as you said, sounds really official. So we'll just rename it and call it the big quit. instead. The big quit. I like the big quit. It kind of, I don't know. It sounds like little bit cooler (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so like I was I heard it in 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 like yeah twice in one day so I'm like what is this what is everyone talking about so I did a little bit of like yeah I I went and read an article I actually asked someone to recommend an article and it's a big deal it's Mm. I mean from one stat that I remember uh was that is it 40 percent of the workforce is planning to quit their jobs in this year that is so huge that is a massive percentage 40 percent of the global workforce yeah considering leaving their employers this year um and so if like these obviously the implications i think i feel like in the states things happen a bit earlier and we kind of catch up so i think the the prediction is that um by march of 2022 this will the impact of the great resignation is really going to hit australia so it might Mm. probably affect you know you guys in the states earlier like you'll probably feel the impact a little bit earlier but anyway we you know we'll link to some articles that I, I think we've we've found helpful but um it's it's yeah there's like this seismic shift happening globally yeah well to your point I mean we already feel it in the U.S. for sure I mean we felt it for I don't know I'd say probably at least a month if not more I mean you go to some restaurants and you can't get a reservation because they're understaffed. Um, I think it was within the last month, I want to say Southwest Airlines canceled a ridiculous number of flights because they don't have enough flight attendants. So they can't like run all the um, paths. And yeah, I think it's a a real problem already. And that's why I'm thinking like 40% by March, 2022. I mean, I feel like that probably started as early as, you know, March of this year, if not even earlier than that, because I feel like, you know, you mentioned the pandemic before. I mean, that was certainly kind of a fire starter, if you Mm -hmm. will, for places closing down, people losing their jobs. But then I feel like once stuff sort of started coming back, then it became a question of, do I want to go back to work? And what what is what are the dangers that I'm potentially putting myself in if I go back to work, depending on what your job is? And, you know, it, it just gives like, I think it gives people a whole new view of what is possible of the different options or opportunities that they might have, you know, I think for a long time. And even when I think to back back to when I was in corporate America, and I know we've chatted about this on previous episodes, it was almost like, I went to my job, even though I didn't really care for it. And I did that because I thought that that's what you were, that that's what everyone did. And I didn't really know that there was much of another option. And I think now 
a lot of people see that there is another option, um, whether that be finding a position that's a remote position where you don't have to go into an office and you can work from home, or it's quitting your job completely and realizing that you can you know, create a business from your home, from your living room, from your kitchen. Um, and so I think that the, the opportunity, there's light being shown on these opportunities now like never before. Yeah, and I think people have had just time to think and reflect. And that's mm. usually a luxury. It's almost like, you know, that it's a luxury that you not normally can't afford it afford yourself because all right, you can't afford yourself a luxury. I've had yeah. five I've had five hours sleep. So you're gonna have to help me out. You're gonna have to help me out a couple of times here. But that idea of the time that you can just spend reflecting and, and thinking about what you want to do and asking the big questions. Yes. Yeah. And it gave people that opportunity. Well yeah, it makes me think a lot about the phrase job security. And I remember when I decided to leave my position in corporate America to try and start my own business. So many people were talking about job security, this job security, that, and I totally bought into it. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm leaving health benefits. I'm leaving a a paycheck that I get every two weeks. You know, there is a lot that you quote unquote leave behind, but I mean, to me, it's worth it for the potential of what you can create for yourself, not in a you know, corporate America or job setting a nine to five, whatever you want to call it. Um, And for me, when people are talking about job security, within six months of me leaving my position in corporate America, my position was eliminated. So I'm like, where's the job security in that? I would have been laid off if I would have stayed in that job. And and my department is a department that handled layoffs. Like, how ironic is that? <laughs> what? And you didn't see that. You didn't see that coming. This was just coincidence that you happened to leave. And no, then- no, I like not at all because our department was incredibly busy with doing, unfortunately, other layoffs. And so I thought the company needs this department. There's no way that we're going to get laid off. And then. Yeah, sure enough, my position was merged with the person who did the same thing that I did in LA, and they just became like the Southern California person. And it made me look at job security in a totally new light. And I think that when when we talk about the great resignation and like all these things that are happening right now, um, because of our environment, because of the circumstances for like so many different reasons, um, I think this idea of job security is one that people are no longer just saying like, oh yeah, that's true. A, mm-hmm. a nine to five job or a corporate job is job security. People are finally, as to your point before, like there's finally this pause where people can be like, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. I could be laid off at any time in a job. And at least if you have created your own business, you're choosing that, right? You're yeah. either choosing to quit your business or try something new or whatever it might be. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's, it's interesting that you say job security that for me, when I chose to go into teaching, that was actually the reason why I went into teaching. I chose teaching because I thought that is a career that and I've shared this with you before. That is a career that is never going to leave me without a job. It felt like a safe space, huh? Totally safe, secure paycheck, um, and one of those professions that, yeah, there's always going to be a need for teachers. Yeah. 
Well, and uh, like when I think about the teaching space, just because that's kind of been in a lot of like the, the news and talk about the great resignation and the pandemic and everything, of course, you know, teachers have been through a lot in all of this. So shout out to all of our teachers and educators, huge. But it is interesting because I think that part of this job security is like, okay, you want me to feel safe in this job, but you're asking me to like overwork myself, probably not really get a fair wage and things are being pulled away too, right? Benefits and, Mm -hmm. and things are being stripped away from some of these organizations or institutions. Um, Did you experience any of that when you were teaching? Like, were there moments where you felt like, okay, wait a second, I got into this for like, this job security and this safety and like teaching is an awesome position. Did you ever feel like, why am I not getting paid more? Why are my benefits not better? Or was that not really like a thought? Oh, that's a good question. I think, no, I feel like in all my experiences, so I taught in Australia first before I moved overseas. And I always felt like I could just go from one teaching job to another. I never felt you know, there was a very clear pay scale. Um, so you knew where you sat on that scale, depending on your years of experience. Um, and so you never question, yeah, you don't question your, your salary. No, for all intents and purposes, it was actually, it lived up to that (laughs) expectation that I had of like, I'm choosing a career that's going to guarantee me a job for life. So I got my first job, but then I kind of, I moved around, obviously I, after I did get my first teaching job, which this is interesting. I could have that first job that I got after I uh, graduated with my master's, I could have had that job for life. I would have been one of those. It was Mm. a a great school. Um, I did, I did really, really well. I, I could have probably stayed on. Uh, I'm pretty sure at the time, I can't remember now, but I'm pretty sure they would have offered me a a permanent position because it was a a maternity leave that I was taking over. But that year, I got the opportunity to go to Japan to teach English. And Mm. so I had that choice at that time. So I'm what, 23. This is my first teaching gig. Um, So you were in Sydney straight out of school. You got this... I got a teaching temp position, job. Which, temp position, which probably would have become a regular position if you wanted it to. And then you got this opportunity in Japan. Yes. So I okay. left. Yeah. So I came at that choice. I was at that point where I have a choice to go and do this experience and teach overseas, which is something I really wanted to, or have an extremely safe, secure, ideal job. Because honestly, when you, when you're a fresh graduate from teaching, Normally, you don't get your first pick of schools. You normally get have to go and work. Right. Yeah. And I happened to get a really great location, a great school. So I remember, it's interesting, I hadn't thought about this until we're talking about it, that that was probably an opportunity to have extreme security, but I chose to actually leave Yeah, <laughs> within the so teaching is, world. <laughs> right. So, okay. I mean, I totally get that. So you had aspirations of teaching internationally. Mm -hmm. So that was one box that was like Mm -hmm. attractive. Yeah. But then 
that's a big career change, not career change in terms of what you were actually doing. But now you're going to be teaching English. What were you teaching in Sydney? I was teaching languages. So I, I did okay. graduate to teach English as a second language. But my what mm-hmm. I was teaching at the school was French, Italian, and they even gave me a Japanese class and I had no Japanese Ooh. skills. So I was learning. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was very like uh, beginner. It was like the grade seven. So they were just doing like eight weeks of it. So I would, it was funny because I would go, the head of department would teach would tell me okay you're gonna teach them numbers today we'd go through the numbers in Japanese I'd learn them and then I'd go in and I'd teach them (laughs) oh wow (laughs) but it was very beginner it was and it was yeah it was was fine the the kids loved it it was great I actually managed to do I, I loved languages and it was kind of my expertise at the time so so what was kind of like the thing that you were like yes I'm gonna do this of course I'm gonna quit this you know secure, I'm using air quotes, (laughs) secure job in Sydney. It's very comfy. I'm in my home and and all of this, but I'm just going to go ahead and quit that and transition to Japan. (laughs) And I'm assuming you didn't like know anyone in this program or? No, um, but I I do remember that they were going to pay more. So it it was the... Yeah, the opportunity to get a higher pay, uh, you know, a bigger, uh, more more money <laughs> was and, well. And, and was if, part of if it. you had, yeah, if you had education as like a long term career path, then that would certainly look quite good on a resume. The fact that you had been in Japan and done this. Oh, hundred percent. No, no, no. It yeah. definitely it it ticked all those boxes. It would have given me my experience. Uh, you know, a higher salary and also the fact of having this experience would have looked, it was yeah, going to be great. So, yeah. So then I, so I, I threw that in, I went to Japan, I did two years of teaching, we can fast forward. And then when I came back to Australia for three years before Dubai, um, I went straight into another teaching job. So mm. it, it, this is the thing, like I, in that sense, I felt by that stage is like, oh, okay, I can move around and I can teach. And there is this sense of security um, with this career. So when you went to Japan, did you know that it was going to be two years and then you'd be coming back or was that not known when you went the contract was would have been for a maximum of three years, and we talked about a, a little bit of this in in the um, judgment episode. Um, but I cut that three years short. It yes. was a renewing contract every year, um, but I de- but I decided to to leave it at two years because I was really homesick. I didn't know really? what I was. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to come back. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I did two years and then and then came back and then taught for three years before going to Dubai to teach. Okay, wait, this is so interesting. I'm still stuck on Japan. <laughs> what made you not want to go to Japan? That I mean, you had all these reasons why going to Japan would be awesome. And I think that that's typically the case when we're thinking about leaving a position, a job, even a career and making a big shift, whether it be going to another country mm. to work or going into maybe a different industry or trying to start our own business there are always like a lot of great things that could happen Mm. and a lot of positives to that. But of course there are also things that probably freak us out, make us question whether or not that's the right decision. Like what were some of those things for you? All the unknowns, right? That's true. Like I didn't know, I didn't know what it was going to be like to live there. And we're talking 2001. So pre, Mm. not pre-internet, the internet was around, but not the kind of, 
I wasn't searching for things. I, you didn't have your, your travel bloggers and all, and all that that exists now that you can kind of get a, a window into like, what's it like to live in Japan? I had no idea. I was looking at brochures and... <laughs> Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'm trying to take it back. I'm like, I don't even know if I had a MySpace page in 2001. I don't think so. (laughs) Um, And I remember because I had taken a group of students who had come from Japan through, I did a short stint at this school where they had this group of students from Japan and they were doing a homestay here in Australia. And they were from a region in Japan the prefecture or the state or province or they call it prefectures they were from this area so when i had to from this place called shizuoka um and when i had to fill in my form where do you want to go and live in japan that was the only place that i knew other than tokyo so i just ticked that box (laughs) just because Mm. i had had the experience with these students and they had said oh we, we come from a really beautiful area mount fuji is part of our prefecture it's really pretty I'm like okay that sounds really good I'll just tick that box that sounds great (laughs) I I don't want to go to Tokyo because everyone's going to go to Tokyo that's so common let me go somewhere different and the only other different place I knew was this place so probably you know not a very informed decision but um but ended up being great yeah but there were lots of unknowns um uh, you know not really exactly like making a decision like that based on um, you know, a conversation with a group of 15 year old girls. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I, yeah, there was, so but did you have a lot of support from your family? Yeah, I think they were excited. They were excited. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a Nobody very, was like, Oh no, you should not do that. This is a bad move, Nicole. Don't do it. I don't, rem- I don't remember that. I know. And I remember the the head of department at the school that I was at, he'd already, he'd had a similar experience when he was younger, he'd gone to teach. So he was very supportive. He said like, look, you've got a great opportunity here to work at this school, but it's always going to be here for you. This experience, you know, if you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. Wow. Uh, Wise words. What a great mentor mm -hmm. to, you know, to hear from someone who's had that experience and is recommending it Mm -hmm. is... And that's true. You know, when I think about these are, you know, huge decisions as, as I'm like, probably sound, whoa. Oh, sorry. My computer just started talking to me and it was like a male voice and I got really scared. I was like, who is that? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, I probably sound like a broken record at this point, but these are obviously huge decisions. And to think of whether you know someone or could have a chat with someone who's experienced that before and who could share, you know, kind of some of the things that they went through. Obviously, they're on the other side of it and Mm -hmm. they're still alive and well, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, that type of stuff. But okay, so you went to Japan, you ended up cutting it short, reference our episode Mm -hmm. on judgment because Nicole talked a little bit about some struggles that she had living in Japan. Um, and then you came back to Sydney, you got flowed into another teaching job and then like talk about the opportunity to go to Dubai. How did that come up? Then the bug, I suppose, to teach again overseas and to live, to live overseas just hit me again. I was like, okay, I'm Mm. I'm back in Sydney now, three years. Great. Uh, I want to do, you know, where's the next place? And teaching English at that, the, the first time 
Japan was a, a pretty typical choice. Um, and the second time around when this decision came around, it was, oh, the UAE, Dubai, that's the next place. And I remember not even knowing what that was. I never mm. heard. This is 2006. Like, Dubai, what's that? <laughs> totally sounded. Now we definitely have MySpace and maybe even a little bit of Facebook. <laughs> <I think> so. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, there's a lot more. I can do a lot more research. I can kind of get an idea of what you know, what what this place is all about and, and, and what's on offer. And so yeah, the idea was to go um to go and and and, and move there and, and teach this. And that's what I did for another six years before quitting teaching. Six years. Mm. And that's where you met your love. That's true, yes. We we met Omar and I met and um and then we decided to to leave and <laughs> and, and, and then you went to a whole other country again. Uh, exactly. Look at you, your world traveler. Oh, but we, we just don't want to talk about just me, but I suppose like uh where does Well, no, I think it's really fascinating that uh, this also reminds me of our episode on confidence because we talked a lot about like the areas that you have doubts or fears or maybe a lack of confidence in making uh, and, and also decision making. I feel like I can always reference so many of our episodes when we're talking. They're so intertwined. But I think of the confidence one specifically because when you went to Japan, certainly you had some doubts and fears and like it was unknown, a lot of unknowns. But then you had that experience, you grew from it, you realized that you could do that. And all the things that you picked up along the way, then probably made your decision to go to Dubai, like that much more exciting, because you're like, okay, I've, I've done this before, I've moved to another country, I've taught English as a second language for, you know, a lot of years now. And um, so building on that, you know, we talked about that a lot in the confidence episode of like, once you do it once and you can continue mm-hmm. taking that the next step and the next step and the next step, then that's how it builds and, and you become more comfortable with those decisions in a good way, like in a way that you continue to stretch yourself because you know that you can do it. Yeah, my confidence definitely grew in that I could, and that's why I always say I, I feel like I can adapt to a new country because I, my confidence grew in the fact that I could just move, pick up, go to another country and start working. Um, and so I think that probably gave me the confidence to then change careers. So it's, you know, it's possible that you can draw if you do have to change. I mean, I'd be curious to know how, when, if you changed when you were moving jobs and changing careers where did you draw your confidence from so because for me by having moved picked up and and moved around that gave me the that gave me the confidence to say well okay I can transfer that confidence to trying out a different career a completely different career Mm. and leaving Mm -hmm. teaching Um, Mm -hmm. so I don't know if you had a similar experience when you were changing jobs Yeah, definitely. Because I spent a better part of, well, my first job was basically at an amusement park throwing parties for kids. So that was my my first foray into jobs. And that was quite fun. I worked with all my friends from high school. So, you know, we is basically hanging, getting paid to hang out with my friends and throw birthday parties for little kids. But then I I got pretty comfy into banking and I held like every banking position possible. I was a teller. I did IRAs. um, I worked in commercial loan processing. 
That was probably like my first quote unquote career to where the next thing that I did after that is I started getting into advertising and marketing, which is obviously drastically different. Mm -hmm. And that was a really hard uh, shift or jump to make because as many people tuning in, I'm sure anybody can relate to this whole idea of like, people don't want to hire you unless you have experience, Mm. but you can't get experience until somebody hires you. And um, this advertising and marketing job that I applied for was like literally foot in the door. I was going to be the receptionist for this advertising and marketing company. I'm like, and it was, uh, um, it wasn't even an employee, an employee position. It was an intern. I was like, I, I, I just need my foot in the door because I knew that if I could get my foot in the door, then I could prove myself and I could work my way up and I'd learn from people and, and all of that. And that confidence, I think, came from, I had learned so much in so many different banking positions and I'd been put into a lot of different roles. And from that, I just knew that it was a matter of turning to the people around me and asking for support and asking questions and learning from the people who knew what they were doing, who had already been working in that department for a long time. And that always served me very well. I would never walk into a room being like, oh, I got this. I know this. I'm like, I know nothing about this. Please help me. (laughs) And I think that that served me really well when I transitioned into advertising and marketing because I was like, I'll answer the phones. I will be your intern. Like whatever it takes for you to sit me in a seat in this office. I just want to learn about advertising and marketing. So um, that was a really great experience because the confidence that I was able to gain through that of you know, starting within a year and a half, I went from the intern at the reception desk to helping the owner of this advertising and marketing agency handle their biggest client. And that was like incredibly confidence boosting because for her to take me under her wing and to trust me to help her with the biggest account that they had, that really helped me realize that if you're willing to go in and ask questions and not know everything, then there's a lot to learn. So yeah, I know that we started talking about this because we were talking about changing careers and gaining confidence and um, all of that. There's certainly been so many times on my journey that I've gone into positions where I'm like, what am I doing? Um, I don't know anything about this. I don't even know where this is going. Mm. At one point, I would like was with a job placement agency that put me in an HR role. I was like, I know nothing about HR, no clue. But you know, I went in there and I learned from the people around me who did know. And that's actually the last one of the last jobs that I had. I I think now it's probably a really good time because those fears that you faced and that discomfort of not knowing and working your way up I think that still is going to apply now but you're, you're making me think of the fact that you know we started talking at the very beginning of the episode like how many people are, are going to be quitting how many people have already quit their jobs and how there is such a shortage um, of people in in industries in all sorts of industries that perhaps now is a is a great time for people to to have an opportunity to start something and and work their way into a new career into something that they've always wanted to do because i mean the fact of the matter is that employers are going to be quite desperate to get people to work for them and perhaps 
it's not going to be such a negative thing or such a, a disadvantage to not, um, yeah, to be starting at the beginning. Yeah, I don't know. To I not think that could be experience. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I haven't. I'm not sure, but I, I would. I would imagine that employers would be, you know, willing to take um, to take people on and, and train them up. And so this would be a great uh, time to do that mm-hmm. if you did want to change careers. Yeah, absolutely. And we and we've talked a, a lot about that too. Of just kind of, I mean, we talked about it in our passions episode. But it kind of, you know, reminds me of that. It's like, if you're feeling like you're not really sure what you want your career to be, and you don't even know if you want to try and start your own business, or you want to work um, a corporate job, or you want to be in, you know, the travel industry or whatever industry, that now might be a really good opportunity to try out a bunch of different things. And, you know, maybe even, I, I know... So when I was went with that job placement agency, that was in 2008 when actually I was trying to become a teacher, but I couldn't because there were no teaching jobs. And a lot of the teachers were being laid off at that time because um, this was during the Great Recession. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, not like, but, you know, like 2006, 7, 8 timeframe of kind of the last big crash. And being in that scenario with a job placement agency, it opened my eyes to a lot of uh, job opportunities that I never would have discovered myself. And that was, I feel like that was a good experience because it it gave me a wider view of the possibilities. So yeah, I agree. I do think that there's probably a lot of businesses and companies who would love to have anyone who would like to come in and show up and, you know, yeah. do good work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never had that experience of being in a job agency. So they looked at your skill set, they looked at all the things and they probably were able to see um, what you could offer in a different light. Cause obviously when you think, Oh, what, what do I know how to do? What have I always done? It's, you're probably going to limit, you know, you, you probably think that you have more limited options but someone else objectively can say well you've got skills here you've got skills there um yeah and and see and see other possibilities and it's only a benefit for the job seeker in my mind because you don't the employer is who's going to end up paying a fee to that agency for finding them a great employee you know you don't need to pay anything Mm -hmm. to to engage with a company like that who could potentially find you some great positions, but you know, that's also like the, what we have access to on the internet right now is just insane because this is even just in like the 2008 timeframe. But I'm thinking now, like, I didn't know about sites like ZipRecruiter mm-hmm. or Upwork or mm-hmm. like any of these companies where now you can almost be your own recruiter. Right. <laughs> you know, you can go in and post your resume and you can start, you could set filters and, you know, there's just some really great tools available for, you know, people who are ready to really put their head down and and spend some time on that. And I again, I think that, you know, whatever is happening with this great resignation is, I think anything has the potential to bring opportunities. You just have to look at, you just have to be willing to, to look at it in a new light. And so do you, do you think that, because to your point, 
you can, you know, now promote yourself and maybe follow, maybe you've got a side hustle or a hobby or something that you do. Like I've, I've spoken to women who work in a corporate job, but something else that they love to do is wedding planning. And so that's something else that they do on, on the weekends and they're able to, you know, to offer that service uh, outside their, their office hours. Do you think more people will be looking? I mean, is it a good time to be launching into, you know, a potential side hustle more entrepreneurs are going to come out of this this great resignation. I feel I, f- I feel like I'm biased. <laughs> I, I'm I love entrepreneurship. I think that it gives us incredible opportunities, and I'm always encouraging and supportive of people at least exploring it. I do think that for people who have already like even had a small taste of that through like a side hustle or something that they've just kind of been doing for fun. Um, in addition to a job, might find that they can flip that switch and that it could become that your side hustle, your passion, whatever you're you're doing in you know a little amount of time could become what you do all the time. Um, and I do think that that people are are realizing that. Did you ever hear of I think the way people phrased it is the the triangle, like the triangle being, where you work, where you live, and the other point in the triangle is where you socialize or where you work out. Um, the smaller that triangle is, like the the small the smaller the distance between all of those spaces. <laughs> I've had five uh-huh. hours sleep. <laughs> I, I, I'm following you. I'm following you. The shorter that distance is, the happier you are, because. Mm you know, obviously, you know, the distance between work and, 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 and home. If you have a really long commute, we know how stressful long commutes are and how much time of a time suck that is. And then likewise, you know, where you get your groceries or where you work out or where you socialize, um, you know, the closer that all is, the happier you are. And I always used to think about that because I used to think about, well, where do I live? Oh, I definitely want to work somewhere that's close by um, because obviously you get more time if you don't have to commute and then you can enjoy your life more, right? Um, And I was just thinking that concept now within the fact that people have been working from home for the last couple of years, if, you know, if the job has allowed it, obviously, and most people have had to do that, that triangle has gotten really, really like technically people should be happier. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, I don't know that I've heard much about this triangle, but it certainly makes a whole lot of sense to me. And that's so true. I mean, we've been talking a lot about career changes and physical moves and um, even diving into entrepreneurship. And But when we talk about any of that, including this great resignation, the working from home aspect of it I think is massive. I think that companies are realizing that employees are more productive and that more things get done in better ways um, when people are working from home. And so I really think that that speaks to that is that, you know, people are happier and willing to really, well, not even that they're willing to, but I think that it really lends to a better ability to focus and be disciplined and and all of these things for a lot of people, not for everyone, right? A lot of people don't like working from home at all. But I mean, the bottom line is like, if 40% of the workforce plans to resign by March of 2022, they can't just 
not work anymore, right? Yeah. They're either going to start businesses or they'll, they'll, their side hustle will become their full-time hustle, or um, maybe they're going to find these positions because I think that a lot of companies do plan on keeping those remote mm-hmm. positions. Um, I have a girlfriend that just found a remote position and specifically chose that over going back to an office and over, you know, creating her own business. So I think that that is, you know, another point in whatever this looks like for you, it doesn't have to be entrepreneurship. It, it, there are so many, again, it's it's being able to take that pause, look at it and say, okay, the only option is not going into an office from nine to five. Yeah. There's so many other options. Yeah. I don't want to diminish, like I'm sure that a lot of people have probably gone through, you know, incredible... Uh, difficulty and it's been a really tough time and all of a sudden you know the rug being pulled out from under you and that job security and all of those things we took for granted I don't want to diminish the fact that it's probably been extremely and it has been extremely tough for a lot of people but the flip side of it is that it you know it has it there there is incredible opportunity now and people are having that time to reflect and it's exciting like the conversations I've had you know with other people that are looking to to change to find a career that's more meaningful to have more flexibility they're excited you know they're excited they they're definitely you know unsure of of you know there's things that they're unsure of um the unknowns but Mm -hmm. it it is an exciting time yeah Um, I think a lot of those unknowns are what makes it exciting Mm -hmm. the possibility the hope right the possibility right yeah yeah All right, Nicole, as we close out today's chat on career change, resigning, moving to other countries, the great resignation, the big quit, (laughs) the big quit, we've really, we've really gone the the extra mile today. Uh, But friends, we hope that you have picked up a thing or two that you can carry with you today and moving forward to give you that extra boost of confidence and support when you need it most. And friends, if you enjoyed this conversation and you have a friend in mind who might also find this combo helpful, share it with them. Send them to canrelatepodcast.com or have them search Nicole and Kate Can Relate on their favorite podcast app. Until next time.